Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Film Seizure. Today, we bring to you a journey on our trekcation to the uh, the planet Nimbus Three. And uh, what's the name of the city there, Jeff? Um, it's like the intergalactic city of peace or something. Or planet. Well, of- it's a, yeah, the planet of peace. I I don't know. This okay. is Star Trek Five. This is Star so- Trek Five. I'm Jason Oliver. I am Jeff Arbuckle. I think we lost Chuck Moore. I'm and Chuck we Moore. have I'm here. There, he there he is. is. There he is. <laughs> and uh, we have again our um, our guest, our fellow uh, trekker, our guest trekker. Yeah, for for this trek trek uh, vacation that we're on trekcation. Trekcation just rolls right off the tongue. Does um, it? Yeah, uh, Ken Shuttleworth. Say hello, Ken. Hi, everybody. Hey Ken, welcome back on this Ken's uh, really journey excited to, the... to talk about Star Trek Five. Can you yes. feel? Can you feel the enthusiasm in my voice? <laughs> I can. I can smell what the Shuttleworth is cooking. I, I almost requested to be beaten down for this shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, just the, I have a uh, feeling people are going to find a reason to talk about four again during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we'll see here. We, we'll see. Uh, I will say this is another, yet another one of our. Um, uh, of our uh, quarantine sessions. Um, although right now, I don't know what we're quarantining most from. Uh, in the real world, things are kind of crazy outside some people's windows. So uh, whether it's virus or uh, unrest, it uh, we are recording over Skype for safety's sake and for us to beat down this terrible, terrible uh, God plague that has come from the center of the galaxy. <laughs> yep. Oh yes. So, so uh, yeah. So Nimbus three, uh, the the planet of whatever, the planet of <laughs> happy, fun time, good feels. <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, I. Yeah. Where do we start with this? I think we start with why this movie got made. <laughs> okay, well, I do have some behind-the-scenes stuff that yeah. I can share. The, I find I find the production of this movie particularly interesting, far more interesting than the movie itself. Yes, um, and maybe that's where most of our conversation is, because the movie itself is bad. It's not my <laughs> least favorite Star Trek movie, though. It's just bad. Um, so... All right. So well, as I was saying before we, we got on, it, the, the Star Trek V feels like a second-rate original series episode but with a bigger budget yeah it's the third season episode that that stuck around somehow and got expanded upon in all the wrong places yeah the, and the cheesiness factor is is high yeah um <laughs> there there are some really really bad episodes of star trek the the original series that are better than this movie yes um so let, okay so star trek 4 is a massive massive hit and I see we've already started talking about Star Trek 4. Remember <laughs> Star Trek 4, guys? When 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 Scotty said, Captain, there be there'd whales, be whales here. here. Remember that? That was fun. Those were the good times. Fucking whales. Yeah. Uh, but still, so Ben's still not happy about the whales. No, he's not. He's not. That's okay, though. He's happier about the whales than he is about God. Um, so, okay. So, Shatner kind of gets the idea or is kind of given the, the go-ahead to uh, get to direct Star Trek V. 
and get to have a heavy presence in the story element of Star Trek V as well. And this is kind of rolling off of Leonard Nimoy being um, in in the director's chair for three and three and four. Um, I do find it interesting that some of the stories that were told, uh, particularly from like George Takai, where he was like, you know, we had our personal issues, <laughs> but he's actually a really, really, really great director to work with. That's hilarious to me because it's like you would think that everything would be turned up to like four thousand on Shatner's ego and and everything when he's in the director's chair, but apparently nobody had anything negative to say about how he managed the crew, like like all of the all of the stress that the studio can put onto a director. He said uh, almost everybody said he never let that get to the actors. He was like, probably he, like a substitute that let the kids do whatever they want. That's why they liked him. It probably. But uh, but I guess I he was really, really good. Too. I mean, he's working with people he's worked with for a long time. Right. You know, I mean, how much direction do they really need? He's probably his a lot of his energy is probably consumed with, you know, getting the money for the for the effects that he wants and the and the shots that he wants. You know, I mean, that's the the actors are probably the least of his concern. Right. So he's, you know, like he's, he's, um, but he was very good at shielding any of the, of the typical big budget production stresses from the people who don't need that stress. Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, supposedly the stories were, were really, really good, but the, uh, so (laughs) he starts kind of thinking about what he wants to, to tell, in his story and well, somewhere I think, around, I think, I think, I think we first, before we get into that, we have to, we have to, um, mention the fact that the reason Shatner is even in the director's chair is because he, he, he basically demanded it because he is contractual, contractually, whatever Nimoy gets, he gets and vice versa, um, in their contracts. So Nimoy had just directed two in a row. Shatner was like, well, it's my fucking turn, and I got this crazy script idea, and we're doing this movie. (laughs) Right. So he's, yeah, and so he gets really, really, really obsessed. And, and man, I get it. I get it. You can fall, I can fall down rabbit holes on YouTube all (laughs) fucking day. So I get it, man. I get where he gets obsessed with the idea of televangelists. And he is watching this go from being, you know, like the farting preacher guy, like just talking to a camera to seeing the people like um, Jim Baker and uh, what was the other guy, uh, Swaggart, talking to like mega church size auditoriums of people and seeing people so easily swayed by these what he thinks are just absolute charlatans. Right. Like there's nothing about these people that he thinks is at all credible. Right. right. And he doesn't even think any of them are religious in the least, uh, that they're just all making money off of, you know, they're getting what they want and they're selling snake oil essentially. So he kind of comes up with this idea that like, okay, so let's have this situation where, where somebody claims that they are either, a fake God or in direct connection to a guy who is a fake God and basically use that to kind of build a groundswell within the Federation of several, you know, of all these several planets that this person is for real. And they start 
uh, in a way, kind of like what some of the original con ideas are. They they start to be they start to create kind of an opposition to um, the more realistic type stuff. Yeah, so basically he's writing a movie about YouTube 30 years early. <laughs> um, so he is um, – so he takes this idea and um, Paramount immediately was like, we can't tell this story. There's no way we can tell anything that has religion in it. And what's really funny is Gene Roddenberry constantly was thumbing his nose at religion. Uh, through Star Trek, and he really, really, really wanted Star Trek the motion picture to be about V'ger being the god that gave birth to all religion and everything, and Paramount was like, nope, we can't do that. We can't have that story, because you know, this is 1979. Are you kidding me? We're about to go into the 80s where everybody's going to pretend to be real pious and shit. And he then... So then... Like even Roddenberry was like, no, Shatner, we can't tell this story. You can't, you can't do this religion story. It's, it's not Star Trek or whatever, whatever he probably said. Well, Nimoy and DeForest Kelly and Harv Bennett hated the idea that, uh, that Spock and McCoy would turn on Kirk mm -hmm. for the majority of the movie where basically William Shatner's story was it's Kirk against everybody. Yeah. And that only Kirk is right. Yeah. And you get, you get a lot of these little ego moments in the movie sure. itself where you could say, Oh my God. Yeah. He's, he is taking this Kirk character to these, to these unbelievably uh, narcissistic levels. <laughs> well, you know, in, in the novels, Kirk ended up defeating the Borg, right? <laughs> Because they resurrected Kirk, assimilated him. Because a guy who's a hundred years out of his time would be the perfect, uh, you know, mechanism to defeat the current state. You know, there's a moment in five where the Klingon um, general or, or warrior or whatever captain um, calls Kirk the the greatest warrior in the galaxy. <laughs> Which is funny because in six they do that so much better. Yes. Yeah, stick around next week. We've got a good movie <laughs> to talk about. Um, but anyway, so basically his story was Kirk is basically overwhelmed by the followers of the of an evangel evangelical Vulcan who ultimately takes over the Enterprise. Then Kirk would then confront this God thing and it would reveal itself to be Satan. Satan. <laughs> That's not literal or anything. Right. Um, and that is um, Paramount's like, nope. And so <laughs> Harv Bennett stepped in and said, OK, let's let's disseminate what you have here and let's take a look at what could potentially work. The idea of an ev of a uh, evangelist is actually a decent idea. Um, it, it does speak to some of that human nature that Star Trek is always about. Right. Like. You know, humans can be better if they can get beyond this bullshit that they do or whatever. So I like that idea. I love the idea of a poorly functioning enterprise. Mm -hmm. They do nothing with that that's worth a shit. Yep. Um, I love the idea of a movie where 
seemingly the characters are together, but then are forced apart. Uh, yeah, there's ideas here that you can that you can totally play with, but just none of it, none of it really works all that well. I even uh, like I even like the 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 idea that there's this powerful being that is being contained in the universe by this you know nebulous or neb- whatever the hell that the barrier the barrier the reef. great barrier <laughs> the great yeah. barrier reef yeah that 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 has been there probably for you know maybe thousands of years that nobody cr- really understands what this thing is right and that you know they're yeah i mean i mean yeah it's a very powerful being not god but very powerful and, and has been and has been imprisoned there essentially right. um i think that's a cool idea as well um what one other thing, the Cybok character kind of legitimizes the religion within um, the Vulcan race, too, because he said thousands of years ago they believed mm-hmm. this stuff. And that's approximately how long they said they hadn't practiced it or hadn't tried anything religious when in the search for Spock. Yeah, but you know what, though? They still had the temple. They still had the the lady who is the you know, and then they have like the right. Altar I day. get that part, but it, she looked like she was out of place and she hadn't been there in forever. It maybe. really just kind of feels like tradition at that point. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, but but there's there's a really good there's a lot of really interesting ideas in that you know where you know it on it has a commentary on religion. Um, you know what we believe as a religion has has kind of grown from these these ideas that weren't necessarily intentionally meant to be what they've become right right um but that's what people have latched on to and have and have you know started worshiping around um so so the idea that there would be this thing that you would naturally think you know it could be a deity type entity is is interesting um it's just nothing that really happens in this movie is given any any really room to breathe and the interesting ideas that it sort of presents. Yeah. Um, it, it all feels very, um, very uh, uninterested in itself to, to a degree where, where I think part of that is, is, you know, studio chipping away at Shatner's idea, but that was probably also um, Shatner not fully understanding what his own idea was, if that makes any sense. Right. It's, um, I, I find myself doing this a lot too, where, you know, like I say, I fall down a rabbit hole on YouTube and I watch a bunch of videos that, that, that try to help understand a certain thing. And I cannot relay that to somebody else succinctly. It all makes sense to me. But yeah. The moment I start writing about it or talking about it, it, it all falls apart. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think that's what he's dealing with. I think he's so deep into what he wanted to tell, he could not he could not write the story to dig himself out of that out of that hole. But um so Ken. <laughs> yes. What, what are, give us give us your uh I mean I, we sense some pain in you over this movie <laughs> share that with us i'm not i'm not gonna go as nuts with it as i did about the whales but um <laughs> so i i kind of as i thought about it more i watched this on i think when tuesday night or wednesday night so i've had a few days to kind of think it over <laughs> um 
So I, I kind of agree with Jason. There, there were moments in the movie that were that I feel like overall the movie number one didn't flush out a lot of things well enough. Um, the story, what irritated me about it was that it it seemed a little bit rushed. There were people in the movie that like showed up, had two lines of dialogue, and then they were just kind of background characters at that point, like the hostages. I feel the hostages could have actually contributed a little bit more to this movie as well. And um, it was interesting because, like I had mentioned uh, before we got on this call, I watched uh, the motion picture for the first time last night just so I could say, yes, I've seen all six. And the motion picture is like two and a half hours long, whereas the majority of the rest of the movies are like under or around two hours. And I got thinking about it from the standpoint of could they have taken five, made it two and a half hours and made it a better movie (laughs) that I don't know. Um, It could have just been another 35 minutes of, Oh God, just finish this. Um, So I, I, won't go to the level that I said I hate the movie. I just think that it, with the ideas, it had promise. It just never reached what it could have potentially been, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think um, again as I'm listening to you and as I'm thinking about the the episodic feel of this episode, I actually think it could have made written the right way a really good at one hour episode. Um, it really fits the Trek formula of an episode, right? Where you go down to a planet, you meet this sort of crazy leader of these people. They all seemingly worship him in some way. He ha- seems to have these powers. Um, he needs a starship to find God. Okay, he takes over the Enterprise. They find God. It's not really God. It's it's this you know intergalactic prisoner for that's been prisoned for thousands of years. I mean, that's kind of a cool episode, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and in an episode, you know, where, you, where you're not trying to throw so much budget at it in action and things to make it a movie, um, you're actually able to talk about some of these concepts, right? It's probably a lot of the concepts that, that Shatner had in mind that he was trying to convey or, but wasn't able to. Um, so it could, it could, you know, I think it could be a passable story. But, yeah, when you're trying to make it a movie sort of production, it doesn't feel like it's the right medium for this story for this trek story it also i think had like some of the least amount of actual action of any of the movies as well yeah in a way it kind of people are starting to show their age a little bit um whereas star trek 4 doesn't have a great deal of um (laughs) <laughs> Star Trek Four doesn't have a great deal of action, but it's not a movie that the action is told by fistfights or by uh, a whole lot of starships zooming around or whatever. Um, yeah, and by action, but, I, I don't mean just like ship to ship firing phasers sure. and that kind of thing. Because Four, yes, did have that, but in a, a different way. This one just had basically nothing, right? As far as action went. But, right. but I, I mean, mean the, like hostage, the, the hostage rescue scene is 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 pretty action packed. That was I mean, that was pretty good, yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know that I I, I generally loved that scene, but 
but it was you know it was actiony. But again, like I feel like. Well, I know what your favorite part of that scene was. Was Uhura's fan dance? Oh man, I actually I, I, I got so many messages from Jason telling me about how much he loved it. How he took <laughs> screenshots of it. How he's filing it away for the spank bank. And there was actually one of my one of my actual notes though was how cringy that is. Um, that that is and her cringe. relationship with Scotty, like what's up that with that? That came out of nowhere. In this yeah, movie. way out of nowhere. Yeah. Hello, boys. Yeah, I just oof. didn't like that at all. I thought the. <laughs> Even though it kind of circled back at the end, and I understand they needed a place to start, I thought the Yellowstone scene at the beginning took way longer than it really needed to. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, that again is is the the Shatner ego coming through. Like the, like really, fucking Shatner's going to be able to free climb uh, El right. Capitan. Like no yeah. fucking way. Yeah, the only reason he give falls me a goddamn break. Spock. Yeah. But but yeah. It, but it, but I like that scene. And then the camping scenes that bookend the movie because it does kind of show you this this side of these characters and their friendship. Um, it that I that I that's part of what I like about these characters is getting to see those moments. So I, 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 don't, like... I don't I don't hate I don't hate that, but but yeah, the idea of 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 Captain Kirk climbing free climbing El Capitan is is ludicrous to 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 say the least. <laughs> well, I, I right. did kind of like the part where uh, McCoy is like watching him free climb from the his <laughs> yeah. binoculars, and he's like, "You'll have a great time. Enjoy your shore leave. You'll relax." And he's like, "You I'm call this relaxing? Wreck. I'm a wreck. Yeah, I'm not, if I'm not careful, I'll end up talking to myself." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good McCoy moment. Yeah. Well, and okay, so. There were a couple of other production problems here, too. Oh, can um, I quickly mention on the Yellowstone scene? Something oh, yeah. happened like a couple minutes after that when Spock like shoots up in the space boots and is talking to him, and Kirk obviously is going to fall off. When Spock gets him, did you notice that Spock is like completely upside down, which means the space boots should have driven them both into the ground? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Also, uh, also you wouldn't... about the space boots later. I know he's yeah, dying. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> and, and also, you wouldn't fall straight down. You would, like, bang against the side of the mountain. Kirk yeah. would have been, like, a fucking bag of blood at that point. <laughs> yeah, also... he wouldn't have been falling, like, six feet away from the mountain. Right. There's also a moment in the, the camping scene is maybe my favorite Kirk line ever when he says bourbon and beans an explosive combination <laughs> i was gonna say that because i i say that to this day yeah. uh yeah in fact and i probably so weird said to... it when we were down in kentucky yeah. it was so weird to hear spot go okay i'll eat your beans yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um no i okay so a couple of the other production problems in this that are really really obvious uh i'm a little surprised that you did not really pick up on this, Jason, but um, ILM was not available. Yeah, I, 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 did, um, I wasn't putting the dates together, but yeah, they well, were pretty But busy. that's not even what I'm talking about. You're not connecting to the special effects in this movie suck. Oh, like, I don't suck know. real bad. Oh, everything looks super bright and flat. Like everything looks 2D and bright. And it, like when this, when like they're trying some different shots, but it was, it was. It was a different production or a different special effects company. And um, most, uh, like a lot of people pointed out, 
you know, back in 89, that there were bad effects on it. But ILM was not available because uh, two weeks before this movie came out, or a week before this movie came out, um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade came out. ILM was working on that. Uh, the week after this movie came out, Ghostbusters 2, ILM was working on that. Two weeks after this movie came out, Batman came out, which I don't, I don't think ILM worked on it, but doesn't fucking matter. It's back. It was Batman <laughs> in the summer of 89. Um, and somebody was doing effects for it. Somebody was. Somebody was doing something for it, and it was going to lay waste to everything else in in that summer, except for Lethal Weapon 2, which came out a few weeks late, like into July. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I do admit that, or I will concede the idea that coming out on June 9th or whatever, uh, 1989 was a fucking terrible date for Star Trek to come out on because it was expected after Star Trek 4 for it to be a pretty significant hit and it it underperformed horribly like it was expected to be a hundred million dollar movie yeah and it like only got like half of that in the states or yeah it was like it like it like finished 2x its budget or something like that which isn't great i mean that's that's i mean it made money but it it definitely was not the the thing that the only reason it made money is because of the goodwill of four really right um, right. And it made a lot of money right up front. Yeah, and that's exactly a, right. People were like, oh, shit, yeah. I like yeah. four. I want to go see this. And then word of mouth got out. Um, yeah. Yeah. It made a lot of money right up front. It made a little bit of money the following week in competition with Ghostbusters. But then Batman came out and everything just flatlined. It played yeah. for 10 weeks, which was the lowest uh, or the, the shortest amount of weeks that a Star Trek movie ever played. That's kind of that time. That's kind of hard to believe um, that it played for ten weeks, especially with the movies that were out around it. Um, a movie like this would not, would play for maybe three weeks. This these days. Well, and there's a reason. There's a reason why I think it did play that. Uh, nowadays, every town has one multiplex. Back then, every place had two multiplexes, so yeah. there was always a couple of extra screens hanging. Yeah. Out. Um, so you know, like between. Well, in Greenwood, between General Cinema having seven screens and Lowe's having whatever they had in 1989, eight or ten. Or Nine what. or ten, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, at that point, um, there was there was a screen hanging around for it to hang around on. Yeah. But then also it would have gone to some second run theaters, too. So, you know, so, I mean, like it was just a it was a crowded summer. That's not the best excuse for this not doing well, the best excuse for this not doing well is it's not a good movie. No, but, um, the effects were not great. The production feels both. I mean, it was three years after four. That feels like they waited a long time, but then they also rushed it because they started filming in October of 88. That's like what? Eight months before release of a major action science fiction movie. I don't feel like that's enough time. Um, and, and effects heavy movie too. Yeah. Probably not a lot for post in that case. Right. And so, and then right as they started filming, the teamsters went on strike. Mm -hmm. Yep. So they had to bring in scabs, which anything they built got fucked up. 
uh, on almost nightly basis. So, you know, then it was just, it was just doomed to begin with. And there were things that they even, you know, tried to shoot, um, and spent a lot of money on that they couldn't get right. So that's part of two where, you know, it's a $33 million budget budget, but you maybe only see 15 of that on the screen. Yeah. You know, because they had to scrap stuff that just didn't look good enough that they probably spent millions on. Yeah. And the um, he um, and also Shatner was directed by Paramount to say, you cannot make a movie longer than an hour and 45 minutes. So whatever they could have put in there. I mean, if they would have been able to get get 15 more minutes. I don't know if it would have made anything better, no. but it certainly was not helped by being time constrained to an hour and 45 minutes because they're trying to follow up with all the camaraderie and, and goofiness of four, except for the movie doesn't really warrant that by the end of the movie, there's actually a relatively sincere message but it kind of gets lost in the goofiness and then just the kind of um, half-assed movie that came that preceded those final few minutes. Um, it's just, it's, uh, it, yeah. Who actually wants to ex- try to explain what the fuck is going on in this movie? <laughs> I can take a stab at it if, if no one else wants to. Well, I'll start at the beginning because it's the stupidest scene in the world um cybok is traveling this planet (laughs) and he's apparently whatever power he has he takes people's deepest pain and releases them so now they want to follow him and there's a weird scene where he meets the first the first guy we see him release um is like a field miner or field farmer he farms empty holes he's or a, something I don't yeah, know he, he's, he's, a, he's a dirt farmer like luke yeah. skywalker yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so cybok is traveling across and he he releases this man whatever his name is and all of a sudden the guy's like you're a vulcan and he has a weird face that they stick on for like three minutes and then they go back to cybok and he just starts laughing and they laugh weirdly for like a minute i'm like what the hell just happened at the beginning of this movie? <laughs> yeah yeah it's I, pretty it's i could not put into words laugh. my emotions just in that opening scene because i i knew that this wasn't going to be an ep like a great movie but after those five minutes i'm just like oh god and we still have another hour and 40 minutes of this like yeah things are not going to end well things are gonna get wacky um interesting note about that guy lawrence luckenbill who plays cybok um he is married to lucy lucille ball and desi arnez's daughter lucy arnez interesting yeah um his second wife his second wife um they had a few children together yeah um Lawrence Luckenbill was mostly a stage performer. Mm-hmm. One man shows. That's how, yeah. how uh, Shatner found him. And Shatner forward. wanted Connery at first, and this guy totally looks like Connery, or he's playing a Connery at that age. Uh huh. Yeah. Could you imagine Sean fucking Connery in this movie? <laughs> oh, it would. It would elevate the movie at least to in in the watchability factor. <laughs> He was doing probably another... also elevated the date that he retires from movies too, <laughs> probably. But yeah, he was doing um, Last Indiana Crusade. Jones 
four or whatever. There's yeah. an interesting note on Wikipedia about the the planet, the mythical planet Shakari, oh, who yeah. was named in, in honor of Sean Connery. It's like wow. <laughs> Wow. Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <Got> something. <laughs> that, so is, yeah, he's, that is something. <laughs> yeah, he's gathering an army of people. Well, I don't want to call it an army because he's somewhat of a pacifist. Um, but he takes, in Paradise City, which I think there's a missed joke in here somewhere when they beam into the area, um, he takes a, three important um, people as hostages in order to get his ship. Yes, it, it is the uh, planet of galactic peace or some such shit. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah, Paradise City is like the capital or whatever, yeah. Beam me yeah. down and, to a paradise <laughs> And as soon as the, they, was she the Romulan ambassador yes. or something? Yeah, you've got As you've soon got as she a, walks into Paradise City, it's just people fighting and stuff like a, that. A so human, it's like a human, a Romulan, and a Klingon walk into a bar. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> The Romulan is a put-out-the-pasture, like, military genius. Uh, the Romulan is a babe, and the other one is... Yeah, the Klingon is the is a put-out-the-pasture, yeah. Right, and then... He used to and, be the greatest war captain in the world. Exactly, and yeah. uh, and then the human is... Um, David Warner. Is David Warner. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's Tron, uh, or Master Control. And then the bar, you got that weird, like... Dancing stripper cat, which I think that's a I think that's a callback to the animated character uh, Mares, the the oh. woman that came in to replace Uhura when when Michelle Nichols was like, I don't want to be a part of this no fucking cartoon show anymore, and so they put in a cat lady in mm-hmm. her part because they had the one they had the one dude with the super tall head and the three arms. Uh, Eric's, he was awesome. I like this character. This place kind of feels like Shatner really liked the um, the bar that McCoy hangs out in three, and is like, we need to do more of that in Star Trek. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars cantina moment. You're right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but the funny thing is, it's the one thing that Star Wars needs to do more of. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go figure. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's why. All right, William Shatner needs to make some Star Wars. Movies. Quick digression. That's why I like Solo so much. Is, exactly. Is that stuff. Like, I don't understand the hate on Solo. That movie is fun as hell. It's like all the shit about Star Wars that I really like. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Right. The sentient uh, robot uh, uh, uprisings and shit. Yeah. Under, that's exactly what you stuff. Love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, so now. Now we're right. introduced to sorry. No, go ahead. Um, keep us on track, Chuck. Yeah, the on track. On track. <laughs> on, keep us on track, Chuck. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I'm not sure the order this goes in, but we're introduced to um, some Vulcans. I forget Craw. I think is his name. He's like the worst for or not Vulcans, Klingons. Klingon. Yeah. Like, Claw. He's Captain like the, Claw. he's such a bad. Klingon, like he's so terrible, but they have but kind dude, of a cool. He does lift, bro. He definitely yeah, he does lift. lift. <laughs> he, they have kind of a cool theme song to speak of the movie, which is overall or the music, which is overall not great. Their theme song sounds like it's from Flash Gordon. It's from Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Because is it really? It's Jerry Goldsmith. And isn't yeah. that the same one that they use for Next Generation? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I was going to ask about that because when I watched Motion Picture last night, I was like, wait, that's the same opening theme as Five, but it wasn't used in any other movies, and that's also the TNG theme. Right. Yes. So the theme for the Klingons is the TNG theme? No. Oh, uh, the, it's the, I don't know what the Klingon. Specific oh, we're talking about the opening credit theme. Yeah, so. sorry, I was talking about the Klingon theme. It sounds right. like it's uh, something. It is a specific Klingon theme that Jerry Goldsmith wrote, but it got okay. but it got shortened in the motion picture, and he was able to write a full theme for this movie that then also was used in Next Generation. Gotcha. It was kind of actually a cool cool theme, but there all the characters on that ship were just terrible. Well, yeah, a note about that, too, is um, I think the movie needs that subplot to kind of create a, a stronger villain, right? Uh, or some villain. tension. Or, or <laughs> yeah. some tension. Yeah, exactly. Right. But the problem is that um, it was shoehorned in because mm-hmm. of studio notes, and it wasn't really fully realized. And then, yeah, that's what you get. You get more mess in a mess. Um, so... It needs to be there, but it's it's again, it's just not enough to do anything interesting. Yeah. What you really needed instead of that is to expand on Cybok. Yeah. You know, right. so like, yeah, Cybok does not create a great deal of tension because he is a pacifist. He's not really out to hurt people. In fact, he's actually, and I do like this moment when, uh, when. Kirk fights back and he's like, it doesn't have to be this way. And he's like really, really upset about it. And it's like, that's a really good moment. Please or the expand. Moment, or the on moment that. when, no, um, no when Chekhov is, is posing as the captain yeah, and, and tells them that they're, they're under attack and, and Cybok, his reaction to that is, yeah, is really interesting. He's not prepared. It's like, what have you done? You know, right. Yeah. He's not prepared for the reality of his own quest. Yeah, you know, right. and and the response to his quest. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, so there are some interesting things you could have done there. You could have had, you could have had, instead of the Klingons, more talky scenes that would have meant more and maybe elevated a not great or a bad movie to a not great movie. Right, some exposition that gives right. you more feel for where the characters are. There's actually some funny moments in this too because once the the Enterprise is released to go to the planet, which they're not really prepared to do, right? Or is not that really. six? No, that's five. Yeah, they're not yeah, prepared. Yeah, because to... everything is broken on the Enterprise. Yeah. They have all yeah. kinds of problems in five with the Enterprise. But they, they go down there. There's a cool moment where they not Uhura's dance, but when they get the horses and they go into town, and you yeah. can tell Leonard Nimoy is having all sorts of problem riding a horse and stuff. <laughs> well, that is totally a Shatner thing. He is a super equestrian. Yeah. And yep. Of course, he's going to have people riding horses. I mean, I, I have a feeling he wasn't going to be in generations unless he like, got to ride a horse. Well, no, that Patrick Stewart got on a fucking horse. I'm going right. to be on a horse. If he wants to be on my level, get him on that fucking horse. Uh, but no. But he, when Spock says, hold your horse, Captain, cracked me up. Yeah. I mean, like, there's some, was, there's like, some clever. Right. There are some clever moments there. And like a lot of it is that relationship. Like I love the idea of all of that conversation that, that trickles throughout the movie where Kirk, Spock and McCoy are solidifying their friendship. Like, I mean, it's already solidified, but it's like, 
they're they're finally talking about it to each other. You know, well, and Spock and, seems to be turning into more of himself after exactly after three. He's starting exactly. to come around again. I, I also like that they that they call him marshmallows. And not oh, it's hilarious! Yeah. That that scene was funny too. We kind of blew by that, but yeah, when they're but singing the, "Row, row, row your boat" and stuff, right. it's funny. And Spock won't won't join in, and nope, not having Kirk it. He's like, whatever, just let's go to bed. Well, I like I like later. I like later. Yeah, he says he says, but Captain, life is not a dream. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, then, trying to then trying to a, analyze it. Yeah, so great. He has a crazy recall about something else, and Scotty's like, or not Scotty, uh, Bones is like, but you don't know, row, row, row your boat. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. like, it's like funny. <laughs> right. But yes, yeah. that relationship stuff is great with them. Yeah, and you know, there's a there. It makes for a lot of really good personal scenes. That is, that feels like this movie could have ended the series. But instead, it was a bad movie that almost ended the series. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, because like I remember when it came out, it's like, well, the final frontier means something, right? Like it's right. the final, like this is it, right? It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Kirk's gonna fall off that mountain or something. And that's it, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we're gonna be leaving the theater, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the, um, yeah, I mean, like again, there's it's so many missed opportunities because it's just because I, mean, I think we all know this, but when faith is introduced into people that don't ever really talk about a, a, a friend group, it doesn't go well <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. Jason knows what I'm talking about. It's very true. (laughs) Um, So, and it's, um, it is something. We somehow have to get to the message, though, that maybe what God is, maybe where God is, is in our hearts. Oh. (laughs) That's, that's, we got, we have to that Star Trek teaches us that. Because that's so Star Trek. <laughs> that's the final frontier is our heart. I oh, get guys, it. I, I get it now. I love this movie. Heart. It's great. Jason just Jason just cyborg the whole movie for us. Yeah, you cracked it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have yeah. to rearrange my list of favorites now. Yeah. Yeah. Can we follow you now as as your acolytes? Yes. yes. <laughs> we have no choice. We've been we've been freed. As long yeah. as as long as somebody Vulcan neck pinches a horse. I'm cool. Yes. Oh, that was too. <laughs> I also like the fact that they're space horses. Mm-hmm. There are space horses on this planet. Why not? Why not? Why not? And I like that Spock Vulcan nerf pinched one of the horses. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, okay. So where where are we at in the story? So so the so the, the Enterprise is sent out, they think they fool Cybok, but in reality that whole town of Paradise City has been released by Cybok. So they take they take Cap- Captain Kirk and cr- the crew that was down there into custody, um, and they have to bring them up to the Enterprise in that uh, pod, right? The shuttle, and, yeah, uh, the shuttle, the shuttle. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the Galileo. Yep. So and this is when Craw finds them. Go ahead. One thing here too, I think you hit on something, Chuck, when you were asking about. Um, this movie 
before we got on to to talk about it when you you asked if all the cyborg vulcan stuff had been established as vulcan lore in previous right. you know movies or or um or episodes or anything and and the answer is just flat out no um and i think that <laughs> that that's confusing to start trying to to take you know the Vulcan people and the, what they believe in, and their their you know ritualistic aspects, yes, but their their dedication to logic, and then try to introduce this character who has all of the emotions that Vulcans have repressed, and then yet also has this way, this almost supernatural power to to show you visions of your pain and release you from it. Right. right, it almost feels like they, they should have used a mind meld. Right. But that would have made Cybok way more evil yes. than he is. But that's because, that, because in the next movie, that. the next movie, the mind meld is kind of violent. Yeah, it's, yes. it's, it's like rape almost. Um, kind of, yeah. Uh, we'll, get, well, yeah we'll, we'll get there to Well, six. quickly on the topic better of days. Cybok, <laughs> I couldn't find any answer to this, but there's never been a reference to Cybok previously in Star Trek, right? Well, they, they even they even make fun of that kind of in the movie where, where oh, you made that up. It's like made that oh, up. yeah, you, you don't have a brother. Yeah. I don't have a brother. It's Vulcans Bakken. don't lie. That's that's an established thing. Yeah, I have it's, half a brother. It's like oh, it's right. so grown. It's like why did it have to be Spock's brother? It didn't have to be Spock's brother. Well, mm-hmm. the only reason why is that that's why you wouldn't kill him. That's why you wouldn't kill if him. It, but come on, if it was just the Vulcan, he probably would have shot him full of rocks. This now. is this is this right. is Kirk though, or this is Shatner writing around a plot point that he had to have because he just had to have you know Spock or, and McCoy betray him in some way. Why and, did it? Why did it not? Why did it have to be a Vulcan? Right. I I thought it could have been like a Romulan or something. You know, sure. why, that would make why couldn't it have been sense. Kirk? Kirk gets taken over and mind controlled by something and goes. Well, that shit ain't gonna happen in William Shatner. But that would have been good. <laughs> that would have been good, probably. Well, probably, yeah. But no, that shit ain't gonna happen in. Well, Shatner. yeah, I agree. He doesn't. Jason. He doesn't get to. He doesn't get to wrestle with himself until the next one, Chuck. Right. <laughs> Which is hilarious. It's one of my but, uh, favorite fucking things uh, ever. You're like fucking fishing. Damn it! We're talking around this bad movie. We got to power through, guys. So yeah. they, somebody had mentioned that they liked this this scene where so cross shows up and yeah. they're again in a bird of prey um that can this one no no Sorry, okay thank you no. thank you thank you but anyway they, they need, cannot fire cloaked <laughs> yeah they need to stay in in shielded mode so they can't use the gravitational pull or whatever the tractor beams to pull in the pod right so takai has to do a manual. He has, pilot it, he has to pilot it manually into the the shuttle bay, um, in like the split second that they take the shields down and then back up, so that the Klingon ship can't can't. And how long um, would that last? How long would it take to they, power they down the shields? Seventeen the, and a half seconds, I think, is which what is they said. more than enough for a for a Klingon bird of prey commander to fire. Exactly, yeah. and they're able to cut that down to just a matter of seconds. Um, Plan B. Right. And I like I like that scene. I honestly, this is the stretch of the movie that I actually start to have fun. For like um, six minutes. Yeah, wins are. <laughs> and then it becomes Star Trek Five again. Yeah. No, it's a good point because yeah, he gets Kurt gets on and says we're gonna do Plan B. 
Yeah. Right. Like, there, like, what is what is plan B? And it's like barrier. And it's like, oh, you can't be serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they, this is this is kind of fun. Like like you have this not really a bat of wits, but but where Cybok is has taken control of the situation, but he doesn't he doesn't have control of the situation. He's way out of his depth. He doesn't so, know what to, he doesn't know really what to do once he has. So he has to relinquish again more control back to to Kirk, so that Kirk can kind of navigate them out of this situation. Because yeah, this is way above Cybok's head. Right. Um, but then they get they get into the shuttle bay, and they're safe. And there's a moment where Spock has a, has the, the the chance to kill. Cybok and he can't because it's his brother and you have that whole conversation we talked about and Shatner feels betrayed by Spock. Um, you know, it could have ended all this right now. But then um, Cybok gives Spock the opportunity to join him and he refuses. He 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 decides to to be jailed in the brig with McCoy and and Kirk. Yeah. Um, which is where you have then kind of the fun Morse code scene. Yes. Well, also, you have the scene where Kirk's trying to break out, and the whole time Spock's like, that's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. That's impossible. Why didn't you that's... warn me? <laughs> like, <laughs> you wouldn't by like, chance have had yeah. pointed ears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, love, yeah, I, I love... like how Scotty is just kind of in the belly of the Enterprise the Scotty entire time, just in his own world. Um, Scotty's in his element, man. Yeah, he's, he is. He's, he's, he's fixing like, the ship. Uh-huh, he's fixing the ship, but he's also, you know... He knows all the nooks and crannies. He knows how to, to, to get, you know, essentially to break them out of the brig by by exploding the, the wall behind it. Um, and to the Jeffries tube where they As he said earlier, I know this ship like the back of my hand. Paul. Yeah, and then, and then he, he, he hits the beam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, but way too convenient a story. Yeah, I know. Oh, like yeah, it's goofy I, as all hell. I, I, I then, never like that. But I will say one thing real quick. Um, back in all of the interviews for the movie when it was coming out, like Arsenio Hall, and I don't know why I said that first, Johnny Carson, <laughs> David Letterman, when everybody, uh, when, when like Shatner would go on there to talk about the movie, like the night before it came out or the week it came out or whatever. Right. They always showed the clip he always brought was the shuttlecraft being, uh, you know, piloted, piloted oh, into the, and it's like, Oh, that's fucking awesome. This movie's going to be great. And then I saw it. And I'm like, Oh yep. yeah. Oh, that's Ghostbusters 2 is going to be great. Oh, <laughs> they latched onto the six minutes that Jason liked in the movie. And exactly. yeah, that's all they could sell it on. Yeah. Pretty but, much. Uh, yep. <laughs> But after they had that, so this is my least favorite part of the movie. After Scotty bonks his head, and there's a lot of bad parts. I almost expected Tweety Bird sounds after that happened. Yes, yes. We could have had them. It would have been just like airborne. I'm not sure that it's not there. I might have actually created them in my head when I saw it, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So so we have this scene where uh, Bones... Kirk and uh, Spock have to get up this really big shaft, and it's a total callback to the beginning of the movie where where Kirk is climbing the face of the mountain. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know where you want me to bring in my bad part, but they're they're getting no, up. Go in ahead, because you're at the beginning. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they're they're going up. Um, they, you know, Spock disappears at some point. Yes. You know, Kirk's <laughs> like, where the hell is Spock? And then Spock has his fucking boots again. <laughs> like if he could freely, 
Yeah, if he could freely roam the ship to get his boots, why are they sneaking around in the first place? Right. Like, they could have just walked to where they needed to go. And what happens next with the boots is just ridiculous. You well, know, it's, like, it's, it's the Wonka. <laughs> it's the bubble. Uh, it the was Wonka. totally reminded me of the Wonka Vader. Yeah. Scene, so, um, sure. yeah, so, okay, a couple things here. Uh, first of all, repeating deck levels. That happens that everybody who picks apart this movie, like they go past level 52, like twice or something like that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, it ends at deck 80. You want to know what's something interesting about it? That would make the ship twice as tall as the next generation Enterprise, which is twice as big as the Enterprise A. So they should have like 30 decks or something. 24. Huh. Yeah. 24 to 25 decks is what the, the Enterprise A would have had. And there's the D. Enterprise D had at 42. The original series Enterprise had 24. This is all shit that's easily found on the internet. Did they not? Was Michael Akuda, who always did the scientific technical spe, uh, spec writing for the movie, was he busy? Was he on the shitter when they wrote the scene? It's like, well, we can't wait. We got to go out there and build that set. Oh, have they never bad. has no one ever answered to this and like the animals of uh, the, if they did they just said it's a fuck up yeah because it, 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 it did so seem awful awful. there's no way to get around the fact that it's a fuck up yeah, yeah. and also unless the deck numbers start at like neg- 50. like 50 yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah. okay assume <laughs> that the brig is in the very bottom of the secondary hole where the arboretum is by the way that's what those little blue lights are at the bottom uh-huh. of the ship um, okay, so assume that that's deck one. They would have to have hit a turbo lift that goes straight through the neck, the bottom of the ship, the neck, and up to uh, presumably where that little impulse uh, uh, collector thing is at the top, the little blue thing at the top. But then over here, the bridge is taller. So they would have to and shift... And the bridge is always deck one. Yeah. So they went backwards for one. <laughs> Here's here it is. Here it is, Ken. He was pointed downwards. They were upside down, and the boots were shooting him down. That's what it was. There Never you mind. Go. We figured it Nailed out. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Some people try to say, well, when you see seventy-eight, is that the, is that like a Jeffrey's tube in between? Uh, deck seven and eight or something. They try to play the mental gymnastics with it. They can't. Right. They can't figure it out. It, it's and a fucking. And in in this scene, in all its glory, is for nothing. So something that's been set up for sixty percent of the movie amounts <laughs> yeah. to zero. It's fake tension. You've had yeah. this sequence now that started with the um, them on the planet. And and you heard her during her during her dance to distract the people there, right? And, then, and that starts the the whole invasion of the you know the hostage rescue, and then it en- and then it ends with yeah this ridiculous um, uh, climb up the the um that gets Jeffrey's tube right, and then um and then yeah you're right it's for not because they just get caught again right and then Cybok um, takes them into Kirk's chambers and tries to unlock their minds and. So, so that that sequence up to this point is kind of fun, right? It's the stretch of road I said that I actually really kind of enjoy what's happening, um, but then it comes to just a screeching halt. Oh, yeah. with, with this, I mean, it, it is just like there's nothing left here that is interesting or fun 
at all. Well, I would say the I would say there are two elements that are interesting if it wasn't couched in a bad overall idea. First right. of all, the going to the planet and seeing the fake god thing, yeah, the, the evil sure. super creature. There's something that's interesting. There. Yeah, there's, there's something, something there. there. There is something there with Kirk. Not, I mean, Kirk is right. Your pain is part of your of your Character. collective history, right? And and it helps make you stronger, or it destroys you, one or the other. But for him, it makes him stronger. He needs that to be better than that. That's right. an interesting idea. It's also interesting that after this, they get to uh, God Planet. And at this point, Cybox, like, Kirk, it's your ship. You know, it's back to you. Everything goes back to his control. Mm-hmm. He's gotten what he wants out of it. And Kirk is also willing, and, and Cybok even says, it's like, don't say you don't want to know what's down there. And Kirk can't help it. Yeah, I'll go down there. And they're kind of they kind of share the lead at this point, which is also a little bit of character development for both sides too. Yeah, there's something there. The problem is is that it's all couched in a, a, a stew of shit. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and I have a question. If I can go ahead, Jason. And it's and it's not really. Um, it's just not really given like the opportunity to to breathe and to explore those ideas. Um, also, I think that the other thing that's interesting is that the color purple is apparently mesmerizing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that they beam, they go down to Eden and it's just that desert that they, that they filmed the episode arena in. Yeah. That corn. <laughs> Where's the Gorn? That's all it is. It's just tinted purple. Yes. Right. It's not that great of a planet. It this is not me. Eden. It just cracks me up that they're all on the bridge, you know, look, looking at the video. Well, they're watching of, the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're watching yeah. the movie, and they're just mesmerized by this purple hue. It's like really, so what is much so? so that they got there's jammed. Not some, right, and there's and so <laughs> much so <laughs> that they that they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they're so paying so much paying attention to the movie that there is not one person on that bridge. Who doesn't hear the beeping sound of, oh, by the way, a bird of prey is in the right. area. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, raise your shields, guys. You know, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it, it's, there is a little bit of wonder to it because they are supposedly where no man has gone before. I mean, but, but I think, but I think that's also the movie trying to tell the audience, look at this. This is amazing. You should be in awe because all the and people I, and the, I'm on like, the bridge are in awe. And I'm just I'm like, in the this isn't that cool. It's just purple, guys. It's and just I'm purple. like, hey, this is where Kirk fought that Gorn. They're just back at that planet. <laughs> purple filter. It's all <laughs> yeah, it is, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me in that, yeah. in that scene as well, like, it, like I said at the very beginning, like it, this was a scene that could have had promise. It could have been something different. Like I was on board when they started going down there, regardless of it being a reused set. But like I was kind of intrigued by who this thing was going to be, and as soon as he said, "You will give me your starship," I'm like, oh, "Fuck, okay, I'm out." Like, it, they could have taken that in a completely different direction, other than you're giving me a starship so I can get out of here too. I like, like I like the direction they took it in. I just I just don't feel like they. I want to know more about it. 
I want to know more. Jeff's trying to raise his hand, but I want to know more about this being. I want to know more about like why. Yeah, you don't. There. You don't ever find out like exactly what it's supposed to be. Why it's there? Like, All right, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, go, Jeff. Why does God need a starship? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> I I wasn't gonna be the one to say it. Jeff or Chuck, you had a question like five minutes ago. Was was your yes, question why does God it. need a starship, or was it something else? <laughs> that that's that might that's have everybody's been my question, question now. <laughs> That is the question you're going to be asked at the pearly gates. Right. <laughs> no, that's the question I'm going to ask God. Like, yeah, hey, can, can you answer this question for me? It's been killing me. Why does God need a starship? That's the new Ashi Maru right. test is why does God need a starship? Yeah. You can answer that. You pass. Right. <laughs> Go ahead, Chuck. What was your... Uh, my question was... Earlier really doesn't matter anymore, but it was more about the his, history of the characters. Um, Bones's father is it widely known that he had to basically? Um, there might have been something about that. Um, it, I mean, it, that's not something that is um, both that and um, Spock's father being kind of cold to him. Um, it, I don't think either one of those things truly existed in any like canon stuff before, right. but it's not questioned. I mean, th- actually, that stuff kind of makes sense. Like, of course, a doctor would have to do what you know what's right or right. What, I thought that was yeah. a cool scene in a bad in a bad movie. Like, exactly. It, in context, it was bad, but it was a cool idea. Yes, yeah. because it does give Kirk the ability to say. You know, Bones, you know that this is all, you know, shenanigans. You, you right. know, you can't magically take away somebody's pain. You're a doctor. You know, and even uh, though their their pain was somewhat taken away, they both chose Kirk, which I yes. thought was cool, too. Yes. Which is where I think you have the real, that was the thing that they fought for yeah. with the script. Those two, those two actors, um, DeForest Kelly and Leonard Nimoy, they, they would not do... The movie as it was written, where they would turn against Kirk. Yeah, They're even like, nope, in our that's not our true to our character. Best, we yeah, we would stick right. with Kirk. Right. Well, and also it um, it does bring up another interesting idea, which is it's okay to come to terms with your pain and not really change who you are. Right. You know, I mean, it's okay to be to not feel the pain of losing somebody or something that doesn't change who you are. Right. Um, Hell, it's it's okay to like you know be spiritual and to have yeah. you know beliefs and in, in these and things and, and and still be who you are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. oh, because God knows that Bones is probably some sort of Southern Baptist or something. Right. <laughs> you know, the rest I mean, of the people... he's racist as fuck in the series. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, uh, well, at least towards Vulcans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the rest of the crew, they're almost like a bunch of born again Christians who are going to their yeah, family's yeah. house and saying, "Guess what I've learned." Right yeah, now, now it's your boy. turn. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You need That's to feel what I feel. That, yeah, and yeah. well, you know, you know what Jason and I would do on our Starship Enterprise: Beam shoot them into space. space. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we have. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> but um, yeah, so. Uh, so, so the the end of this movie gets really confusing uh, <laughs> because the the bird of prey shows up and it attacks the Enterprise, but then they're trying to beam up um, 
um, cock. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> beam up this dude. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to say Scotty and Spock at the same time. They're trying to. Scotty is trying to beam up uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Right. Meanwhile, Cymok has essentially sacrificed himself so that they yeah, can get so away. He realizes that uh, the whole thing he ever searched for was a lie. Was a lie, at least not in the physical sense, or at least yeah. it was a lie in a physical sense. And he realizes, and this I think is actually really good. He realizes the danger he's put everybody in, so he's going to be the one who fixes it. Yeah, and right. I like that actually yeah. because I again, mean, it yeah. shows that he is not a killer. He's not a bad. He's not intending he's misguided. To. Exactly. And, he, and, he, and, he, and he's so misguided, he he will misguide others in his in what he is. His, he his will hurt quest. people if he's not careful. So, so yeah. So then it gets it gets real crazy muddled here for me. After he sacrificed himself away, Scotty's only able to beam two people up. Kirk and doesn't he give immediately says beam up Spock and McCoy. Up Spock and McCoy, which is cool, and, and even starts to protest as he's being beamed up. <laughs> right. Um, and, and and Kirk starts rolling up his sleeve. Minute, I think is yeah. what he says. Yeah. He, Kirk begins to roll up his sleeves. It's like I'm gonna punch God in the fucking face. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. But then, um, all of a sudden, it, it, you know, the the bird of prey was attacking the um, the Enterprise. But now the bird of prey is down on the planet, and it laser blasts God, fake God, <laughs> and then Kirk gets beamed Whoa. to to the bird of prey, right? Yes. And on the bird of to prey, back it up a little bit, when the bird of prey attacks. The one Klingon that was the hostage says, I'm in a higher level of him. Let me talk to him. Yeah. Then it goes back to the planet. Then Kirk gets beamed up. Yeah. And then there was that weird scene of, like, you have something to say to Captain Kirk, and the Klingon's like, I apologize. Like, yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> it's but super- the attack on your ship was not authorized by my country. Technically, it was, sir. Because in Star Trek Four, that one guy said, there will be no peace as long as Kirk shall live. Um, right. So technically, you were you were uh, aces to fire upon the Enterprise. Yeah, but when the Klingons were there in the very beginning, he was all of the mind frame like, oh, if I can get Kirk, I will be the greatest ruler. And then you don't hear you nothing kinda, about the Klingons until the very end. Don't you kind of get the sense that that bird of prey captains are really their their mission is to just fuck shit up? Like yes. they don't have mm-hmm. any real. Like tactical command. Well, you got you got to fly around the Katinga class to get any actual like. I mean, again, we got one movie to go. <laughs> what do we have in that? We have yeah. the presidential guy on the actual cruiser. Yeah. And you have crazy general man in the bird of prey. Right. Exactly. So, so anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they the day has been saved, and then it's shore leave again. Well, Bo, not what? in front of the Klingons. Oh okay. God! Oh yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah. No homo in front of the Klingons. No, <laughs> no homo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Kirk. Uh, Kirk reveals that the that the guy who blew up God was Spock, and he turns around in the in the in the bird of prey captain's chair, and Kirk is gonna hug him, and Spock is like, "Please no, no." <laughs> I don't like that please way. captain not in front of the Klingons. Yes. And yes. uh and, like, and, uh-huh. 
Are we done yet? Yeah. No PDAs, bro. No homo. <laughs> so then uh, they go back to the Enterprise where everybody's going to have a drink in the 10 forward. Um, or the version of 10 forward that's on the Enterprise A. And um, George Takai is really into that, in that, into that Klingon lady, as is, um, as is Chekhov. They're just <laughs> following her around, looking at her muscles. Yep. Woo! Woo. And um, Scotty gives uh, the old fat Klingon some scotch, some <laughs> scotch whiskey. Yeah. Um, that's kind of fun because you get to see two old fat guys drinking scotch whiskey. <laughs> this movie sucks. Yeah, it does suck. <laughs> even one of the even one of the lines in this movie that was supposed to have weight like sucks because when, <laughs> I think it's Cybok that says it. He says the people of your world once believed the Earth was flat, and I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, people yeah. still do think that. <laughs> You know, speaking of rabbit holes, I watched a, a nice 45-minute video debunking all those asshole videos on YouTube. Oh, that uh, sounds like a I, good use of time. It was, it was actually quite funny. The guy who made the video is quite funny. Yeah. British guy. Anyway, uh, yes, it's um, there are a lot of things that are meant to carry weight, but the one thing that carries the most weight is bourbon and beans and explosive combination. Yes, that movie gave us that line. It does. And what does God need with a starship? <laughs> By the way, when they get blasted, they have burn holes through both, si- both so sides like, of their body. Yeah. They should be dead. Yeah. Question yeah. mark? Yeah. But yeah. life is a dream, and that's fine. <laughs> row, 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 row. Merrily, merrily. Should we, should we end this episode with a harmonious rendition of a row, row, row your boat? No. <laughs> No. Although I do like that, that Spock has his little Vulcan harp from the old <laughs> TV show. That was the third season episode, and that episode, as goofy and fucked as that was, is better in this movie. <laughs> <clears throat> Space hippies. Guys, guys, you know what? At least we're going to go out with some awesome. Yeah, we are. Yes. Next week, uh, because six you know is math, quite good. It's, it's Star Trek six. Six is bourbons and beans, man. <laughs> it's an explosive combination. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, I, um, I, I, I remember seeing the movie, and you know, the first time you see it, or Star Trek five, the first time I saw it, it's like you kind of, you kind of like the movie, right? Like everybody kind of liked Star Wars Episode one the first time they saw it, right? But you had that question in the back of your head, like, should I like this? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me go up. see it again. You get, yeah, caught, you get up, caught up, sort of, yeah, yes. in, in your fandom, you know? Yes. And the, after seeing it again, I was like, man, two, three, and four are way better than this. <laughs> way better. I mean, like, I do like that they try to tag this on to that trilogy because, you know, Scotty's, like, bitching that, like, you know, oh, let's see what she's got. Oh, that's what he says, and now it's all fucked. You know, the Enterprise is broken down. But it kind of also ruins the the niceness of the end of four. <laughs> you yeah. Know? But yeah. Uh, but anyway, but like, yeah, I mean, I was so starved to see the. I mean, because also it's like Next Generation was back. I like mm-hmm. Next Generation, but the original guys were my jam. You know, yeah, so it's like I wanted to 
hold on to them for as long as I could. And two, three, and four, even though I always secretly had this this frustration with three because they blew up they blew up my favorite lady ship of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but they, uh, you know, but like they were still so much better than that. And like the feeling you had after each one of those movies were so wonderful, you know. And then this, it's like, oh, I hope this isn't the last one. Yeah, right. That was and, and then the summer of '91, you start seeing the the teaser trailer of all the little old shots of the Star Trek series. And it's like, oh fuck yeah, we get one more. Uh, but yeah. Oh, I remember one thing I was going to say. Uh, well, one, it, one and a half, if you want to count generations. <laughs> but I don't. Um, I only I had count. such high hopes for generations. I should have known better. I should have known better about generations when going into it. But anyway, um, a couple of things I, I meant to touch upon. If Kirk was shown his pain, he would have seen David. Oh, sure. Uh, but the guy who played David probably wouldn't have been able to do it. He was, he had AIDS. He died of it. I mean, he died oh, of AIDS no. and was probably quite sick at the time that, cause he died in 89. Um, so I mean, could have reused footage, but yeah, could have, but it might've come off real janky, but Kirk, interestingly Look, enough, yeah, ends up dealing that with concern. that. <laughs> he, Kirk ends up dealing with that pain pretty heavily in six. So he does get confronted with it. Sure. Like yeah. Cybok would have confronted him with it, but sure. at a different time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, um, I do like Jerry Goldsmith's score in this. Um, it does sound a lot like uh, the motion picture because he just he just took it and adapted it into the, yeah, into the, the movie. However, I think this score in particular is later adapted for First Contact because there are a lot of... Um, there are a lot of music in first contact that he used that sound a lot like some of the non themes of this movie. <sighs> so anyway, that's all I had. I have nothing more to six, say. Star Trek six is better. Yep. I barely took any notes for star Trek six. Really? So yeah, look forward to that. Look forward to me just winging it. Cause I've, I've seen, seen it. dental pain. I've probably seen six, most of any of them. So yeah, I didn't take any notes because I'm pretty, yeah, yeah, pretty six, good to go on that one. Six and two are the ones I've seen the most for sure. Um, yeah. Um, so Wednesdays, Jason, what happens? Wednesdays, new episodes of Film Seizure. You can check us out on filmseizure.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, TuneIn. Um, uh, some other Stitcher. various places. Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Jeff, what happens on um, Mondays? Monster Mondays. Yes, indeed. Listen to uh, Jeff talk about three things he likes about a monster movie. Very exactly. Cool. Let's see what let's see what's coming up uh, this week here. Uh, let's see. Here. Um, ooh, the next next Monday is uh, Island of Lost Souls. Oh, nice. That's a gooder. We are not. Or are we not men? And then uh, what happens on Saturdays these days? Double uh, O Saturdays. Uh, this little essay that I have about uh, either a Bond uh, movie or a Bond uh, uh, music, uh, Bond theme song or whatever. Yeah. And then on Fridays, 
check Jeff out uh, over at bmovieenema.com yep. where he writes um, funny stuffs about a generally bad movie. Um, but I got a great one this funny. week. This week is Vice Academy. That oh, movie is so much fun. fun. That is so fun. So much fun. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate uh, people checking that out. Uh, if I haven't crossed it yet, I, I I have been getting pretty close to 500 likes on the Facebook page for B Movie Anima. That's been, that's been very humbling. Killing it, killing it. So then, yes, um, tune in next week for um, our our the end of our trekcation as we um, voyage to the under, undiscovered country that is Star Trek Six. I actually, to this day, use the term undiscovered country in in various circumstances when I talk about changes that are coming in the future or something, you know. Um, I've been known to uh, to say that at, uh, in, in that actual That and uh, bourbon and beans is a explosive combination I say in, that in, the, in, in the undiscovered country. I, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I say that every uh, every meeting I have at work, yes. <laughs> that's how i sign off uh so yeah um all right yeah Shall so uh yeah, go over now, oh uh go over to uh facebook and twitter find us at film seizure um just follow us over there and stuff that's yeah good. it'll be good it'll be good all right so until next week when we wrap up trekcation and we uh and we bring our very own enterprise back for decommissioning and uh, and for an extended shore leave, which will only last like six days because we'll have another episode the week after. <laughs> I am Jeff Arbuckle. I'm Chuck Moore. I'm Jason Oliver. And you have been listening to Film Seizure.